Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours here on the grid. When I posted this video, and I ended up deleting it because I felt bad and I like to be a professional, I posted a video Sunday night saying, I'm taking tomorrow off. The Baltimore Ravens win, cover the spread, beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and I just had to celebrate all night long, which is something that I did. My dad and I had a great time. However, I am back. Ty, Big Daddy Jones, sorry to sorry for your losses. The Ravens end up winning, and I get to take yesterday off because it was a huge day. It was like winning the Super Bowl in week two, and yeah, I'm going to say that. I am excited to be here. We've got a great show ahead. We're always giving you the edge here on the grid. Three hours of coverage. We're going through all the sports that are going on, not only just today, the line moves. How did week two impact week three? These lines keep getting posted to the FanDuel Sportsbook for the look-ahead spots. You can see them before the week before even starts. You could see week three lines back on Saturday. I was able to see how a lot of these lines moved, and there were a ton of injuries over the weekend in the NFL. Yesterday was MRI Monday. We've also got a lot of baseball and college football to talk about later this hour. It Connor O'Gara from Saturdays Down South going to join us. It is a hashtag. Trusted Capper Tuesday. And my favorite trusted Capper here now. Ben Stevens, Big Ten Ben. I hope that you held down the fort well yesterday. I tried my best without you here, and you had every right to celebrate on Sunday night in Baltimore, in attendance, the birthday magic going your way, not the way of Patrick Mahomes. A great game nonetheless on Sunday. Not so great of a game last night on Monday night, unless you're a Green Bay Packers fan or a Green Bay Packers better, even taking the pack minus 11 and a half, at least Green Bay back on track after a very sloppy week. Number one looked a little bit more like that Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones offensive explosiveness that we were used to from a season ago. Not the greatest game overall, but hey, it's an NFC North battle week number two between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. But at least Ariel, Green Bay back on track in that top spot in what looks like a rather easy division now in the NFC North. Not looking so great for the rest of that division. The Minnesota Vikings continue to make things difficult, especially as a better. However, it wasn't the worst result for Minnesota this past week against Arizona, if you bet on them. I'm going to switch over to Green Bay, though. Green Bay last night with that 35-17 win. You mentioned that the spread was 11.5. What stood out to me was a few things. One, the spread moved against Green Bay. It went from 12.5 to 11.5 on kickoff, uh, right before kickoff. Also, the total was on the rise. It went up by a point. Total did end up going over, landing at 52. The total was 48 to 49, 49 and a half. There were so many factors, like for a second half. Here's a tweet that talks about the first half. Lions were up at halftime, 17-14 over Green Bay. Second half, the Packers outscored and shut out the Lions, 21-0. That final score being 35-17. Now Green Bay plays San Francisco on Sunday, and that's going to be in Santa Clara in Sunday night football. That spread moved from San Francisco minus three to minus three and a half, despite Green Bay even getting the win. That minus three was the look-ahead line for the San Francisco 49ers. It's primetime football that the Packers have to now play for a second straight week. They go from Monday night football to Sunday night football, which granted does help for the short week considering this Packers team looks like they need a lot of help on defense even just looking at that first half and allowing those 17 points to Detroit if you were a Detroit Packer at halftime you thought that you were going to be smooth sailing welcome to our sports grid radio audience first hour here on the morning after Sirius XM channel 204 the mightier 1090 on the west coast with Ben Stevens I'm Ariel Epstein 
Ben, I couldn't bet this game yesterday because I just felt all my luck ran out on Sunday night. I just said I'm totally staying away. There is absolutely no way I win anything. There was one prop that stood out to me, though, from a numbers perspective. That's the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff. I liked his pass attempts prop. You've got to look for teams like the Lions who can't really establish the run that well, even though they do have a great running back in DeAndre Swift, the offensive line, the run game. It just hasn't been there in Detroit. Jared Goff pass attempts is the way to look on the Lions. And then you could look at his favorite receiver so far this season, the tight end TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa, who has been big in his first year with Jared Goff. You see that partnership working very well. Hawk over his receiving yards prop of 55 and a half last night. It was rather prolific in the prop market as it has been through the first two weeks of the NFL season so far. Aaron Rodgers not over his passing yards prop, but over his passing touchdowns prop, finishing with four passing touchdowns. Three of those going to his running back in Aaron Jones, who had four touchdowns total on the day. Three receiving, one rushing touchdown, ties a Lambeau Field record with four touchdowns. A big performance on Monday night for Aaron Jones, who also, Ariel, went over his rushing yards plus receiving yards prop given out by our guy Tom Vecchio yesterday on the show from FanDuel. Devontae Adams with another really good night, targeted a ton by Aaron Rodgers. Eight receptions, 121 yards over his receptions prop of seven and a half that had plus money to that over. So when you see a side and when you see a total, especially Especially when you see a spread at 11 and a half, there are other ways to skin that cat. You could look at the props market or thanks to Detroit scoring early and often in that first half, pushing that total to the over 17 points out of the Lions. And then Ariel for the final two and a half minutes of that game looked like possibly another Detroit backdoor cover. But Green Bay holds it short, winning 35-17. I love that you mentioned Aaron Jones. I was sitting in the car with my dad, driving through the New Jersey Turnpike. My dad said, I want to bet the game. I said, you're crazy, but okay. He bets the over on Aaron Jones, 68 and a half rushing yards. It lands at 67. However, if he bet rushing plus receiving, he would have hit it. Then he yelled at me and told me it's my fault. I didn't tell him about the rushing and receiving yards prop. Told him not to bet. We have no luck left after Sunday night. Stay on the grid. More NFL updates coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Over the weekend, especially there on that Sunday 1 o'clock slate of games, there were a ton of injuries. Some even happened in the 4 o'clock hour. And I remember tweeting out, if you don't follow profootballdoc.com, you, you're missing out, especially on a day like Sunday where it just felt like D-Day throughout the NFL, not for long league. Dr. Chow, by the way, is going to be coming on the show a little bit later in hour, to num- in hour number two. However, let's start with this Colts injury update. The Indianapolis Colts get the 27-24 to 24 loss to the Rams. They cover, though, the plus three and a half. That hook actually really mattered anyway. Uh, the week three game is going to be where you have to watch a lot of line movement. Their quarterback, Carson Wentz, for Indianapolis, according to the head coach, Frank Reich, 
Wentz has sprained both his ankles. Yikes, Mr. Injury Prone. And I know Dr. Chow hates me saying that, but it's true. Wentz will have to see. Uh, he's going to have to see as we go. That's what Reich said. And then map out a plan for this week. Wentz was 20 of 31 for 247 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. When Jacob Eason came into the game as his backup, just two of five, 25 yards, interception. Ben, with this line move, Indianapolis at Tennessee, divisional rivalry coming up. How concerned are you for the Colts? Very, very concerned. And that's the most important part of this all. Carson Wentz, not with just one, but two sprained ankles. And the Colts, not with just one, How do you but do two that? losses through, I don't even know, but two losses already through the first two weeks of the season. And now they face their divisional rival in the Tennessee Titans in week number three. And listen, the entire division in the AFC South is not going to be decided by this game in week number three of the season, but it would certainly put the Colts in a precarious situation looking up at Tennessee for the remainder of the year and a lot of ground already to make up in an AFC South division that frankly looks like garbage right now outside of the Titans because you have Houston, who's actually been a little bit of a pleasant surprise. And then, of course, Jacksonville who has been a disaster in the Colts 0-2 at the moment and we have already seen this line starting to move just a little bit it opened up Tennessee favored at home by five now up to five and a half in favor of the Titans the total that opened at 50 and a half is now down all the way to 48 and a half so you have the Indianapolis Colts who are already 0-2 going up against the team that now is the favorite to win this division and Tennessee is minus 185 now a staunch odds-on favorite to win the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts plus 190 with the second shortest odds. If you do not have Carson Wentz for this game on the road in Tennessee with all the implications in this division because these divisional matchups even early in the year do mean a little bit more and you put Jacob Eason in that spot against Tennessee, whose defense is not great, especially in the secondary, but still, this all favors Tennessee at the moment. So it is very concerning from a Colts perspective if Carson Wentz is unable to go this Sunday against the Titans. Tennessee moved from minus three and a half to minus five. That minus three and a half was the look ahead line, minus five where it went after the injury updates. That game, 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Another injury update. The Chicago Bears did end up getting the win over the Cincinnati Bengals, winning 2017. The Bears cover a one and a half point spread that did move against them. It was about minus three and a half, uh, and then it moved down to minus one and a half. Bears win anyway. The Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, talked about Andy Dalton, their quarterback, and the injury update regarding Dalton. Now, Dalton, uh, Nagy has clarified through a team spokesperson that Dalton, if healthy, is still the team's starting quarterback. Nagy was asked twice after the game if that was the case and didn't provide any concrete answers. Still not ready to name Justin Fields the starter. Dalton was 9 of 11 for 56 yards and a touchdown. He had a quarterback rating of 81. Then you look to Justin Fields, 6 for 13, 60 passing yards, an interception, two sacks, did carry uh, 10, he had 10 carries, 31 yards. However, his QBR, just over a four. Ben, after seeing what Justin Fields did in that game against Cincinnati, how concerned are you for Justin Fields coming in as a starter? He looked a little shaky, no doubt about it. But I think if Justin Fields is taking the practice reps with the one all week, then he'll be ready to go. And when you look at Andy Dalton right now, the MRI yesterday revealed just a bone bruise to that knee. Slightly better news than what the Bears might have expected heading into that. They were worried about an ACL or an MCL, a sprain or something of the sort in that knee that Andy Dalton pulled up lame on during that game. The revenge game for the Red Rocket against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Andy Dalton actually looked really good in that revenge 
revenge spot early on this past Sunday. Justin Fields a little bit more shaky, but the offense overall for Chicago right now, not exactly great. 206 yards of total offense only on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals, a bottom five total offensive unit at the moment in the NFL, averaging just 264 yards per game of total offense in these first two weeks. You know me, though. I'm a Justin Fields stan. I back the guy at all times. I think he has the makeup to be an incredibly successful all-pro type quarterback in the NFL. And if he gets those practice reps with the first-team offense for the Chicago Bears, I think Justin Fields will be just fine. An interesting line in this game we'll discuss a little bit later because how much can we expect it to move if and when Justin Fields might be named the starter for week number three against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland a seven and a half point home favorite at the moment. That line could certainly be on the move. So this might be a time to pay attention to that line if you want to back the Browns. By the way, the Bears team win total. Now it's seven and a half in that live update on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over has heavy juice at minus 140. I still believe that Justin Fields is the guy in Chicago to take them over that team win total. I still can't believe that the Cleveland Browns had the line move against them from the look-ahead line. The look-ahead line had Cleveland at minus 9.5. That line, as you mentioned, now 7.5, despite the injuries to Andy Dalton, despite potentially a really good Cleveland Browns team getting to face a rookie quarterback. I don't agree with the line movement at minus 7.5. I'm very curious to see if the line overreacts to a potential start by Justin Fields, someone who's a rookie who really hasn't seen much starting time yet in the NFL. Now, those Cleveland Browns did beat the Houston Texans 31-21, and the Texans cover a 13.5-point spread. Even though they lost the game, it felt like a bigger loss because their quarterback, Terod Taylor, really has kept them in these games. Houston's covered both of their games so far this season, and Terod Taylor now uncertain after he's going to get an MRI today, and it's on his left hamstring considered day-to-day. With no Terod Taylor, that means you've got to look to the backups. And one person on that depth chart in Houston is Deshaun Watson. Yet it's been confirmed he is not going to be active for Thursday night's game against the Carolina Panthers, despite Taylor's uncertainty. This line has Carolina at Houston. Carolina moves from minus four to minus seven and a half. Ben, how much is that line movement warranted on the Panthers? I think it's very warranted. Carolina, one of these surprising teams so far this season to start off a perfect unbeaten 2-0. And Ariel, like you mentioned, both of these teams so far this year, a perfect 2-0 against the spread. Only five teams remaining in the NFL are 2-0 against the spread through two weeks of this NFL season. When you look at this line right now, it's 7.5 in favor of Carolina on the road on a short week on Thursday night. If Deshaun Watson is not going to be active, which David Coley indicated, that means it is Davis Mills, the rookie out of Stanford, a third-round draft pick in this past 2021 NFL draft. It will rely on Davis Mills, who came in to that game on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, was 8 of 18 for 102 yards, did throw a touchdown, but also an interception. And the reason Carolina has been so good so far this season They have the best scoring offense in the NFL so far, only allowing an average of 10.5 points per game. I would dive in right now, look at that Houston team total of 17, and grab the under while you can. A short week, a rookie quarterback against a really good Panthers defense. Take the under of Houston's team total right now because I think it could drop a little bit as well. 
Another huge injury update for the Lions coming up in week three. Miami at Las Vegas. Vegas moved from minus one and a half to minus four and a half after the Miami loss. However, Vegas had a big loss because their quarterback, Derek Carr, also is injured. He's getting an MRI on his right ankle, and the head coach of the Raiders, John Gruden, said, quote, I think he's going to be able to play. I think right now he's questionable. As for the quarterback of the Dolphins, Tua Tungabailoa, he's day-to-day with a rib injury. No updates yet on his status. That game, 4.05 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Vegas is now a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Dolphins. Coming up next, we'll continue the conversation around Major League Baseball from a gambling perspective. You're listening here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. In Major League Baseball, it's been a really fun and crazy race to try to figure out, especially when talking about the wild card races. In the National League, the St. Louis Cardinals have a three-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds for that second wild card spot. And St. Louis picked up another win yesterday, 5-2, despite being dogs on the money line plus 158. Ben, how much do you expect the Cards to make the playoffs? Oh, very much so. The Cardinals have now won nine straight games. The first time St. Louis has had a nine-game winning streak since the 2004 season. So what a time for that to happen for the Redbirds, who are red hot at the moment. Now a three-game lead for that second and final NL wildcard spot. We'll talk more about how those NL wildcard spots look right now according to the standings and odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook yesterday to make miss the playoffs and across all of Major League Baseball. Those odds for those playoff odds are now off the FanDuel Sportsbook. But as of yesterday, St. Louis was the only team in this National League wildcard race to be in the minus money category. Of course, they're all battling for just that second and final spot. The Dodgers, a 15 and a half game advantage on St. Louis at the moment for that top spot in the National League wildcard race. So St. Louis now a full three-game lead. They were minus 230 yesterday on those make-miss playoff odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It would be even longer now. And Ariel, for the first time really all season, but especially in his home stretch of the Major League Baseball campaign, when you look at the National League pennant odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook, they are reflective of the five teams that would be in the playoffs if the season were to end today. And we're only two weeks away from the season coming to a close, at least the regular season. St. Louis 21 to 1 with the fifth shortest odds to win the NL pennant right now. But it looks like when you look at the pennant board and the standings, the five teams that will make the playoffs in the National League, that's reflected on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Yeah, and I know that you mentioned that you saw some make the playoff odds too yesterday that popped up so quickly and how there were just a few teams that were on there. And this is something FanDuel's been doing. FanDuel's been posting these so quickly. You probably have, what, an hour to bet them and then they're going to pull them off the board. The National League race has been great. It's just a problem that there's still about, what, two weeks left of the season, a week left of the season. And there's so much that could change within these next few days. But the Cardinals really making a nice push at the end of the season. Yesterday was pretty annoying. 
morning. So the Monday Night Football game is on. My dad keeps going back and forth between Monday Night Football and this Orioles-Phillies game. Like, Dad, why do you keep going to this Orioles-Phillies game? Who cares? I mean, maybe Phillies fans think that they have a shot at winning the National League East and getting their way into the playoffs. The Orioles, Dad, why are you still holding out hope for this team? Why are you still watching? They're done. They lost. They're not even on a futures market anymore. Like, the season's over. He goes, oh, they're shutting out the Phillies. Well, yeah, that's exactly what happened yesterday. Baltimore gets the upset win over Philadelphia in Philly. Baltimore was plus 180 on the money line. They win 2 nothing. The Phillies got shut out by the worst team in baseball. The Orioles, who had lost eight of their last nine, giving up an average of just under 10 runs per game in those losses. The last time the Phillies were shut out by a 100-loss by team was 23 years ago. Philly, two and a half games back of the Braves for the National League East Division. Ben, how much are you going to overreact to this loss by Philadelphia? Well, I don't know if it's an overreaction or just a bad, bad time for something this historically bad to happen for the Phils because with an Atlanta win late last night, the Braves now a three-game lead, a full three-game lead for that top spot in the NL East. And thanks to this loss for Philadelphia, their second straight, they are now four and a half games back of the NL wild card. So that is pretty depressing stuff. So as good as it has been for the Cardinals to be on their first nine game winning streak since the 2004 season for the Phillies to be shut out by a 100 loss baseball team for the first time in over two decades. Yeah, that's pretty damning stuff right now for Philly who has a large ground to make up because again, when those playoff odds came out yesterday, Philadelphia was plus 182 to make the playoffs on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Rather short for a team that was trailing in the National League wildcard, but they had a shot maybe through the National League East as well. And now when you look at the NLE standings, again, the Braves a full three-game lead. Atlanta minus 420 on FanDuel right now to win that division. Philly, the second shortest odds at plus 310. Kudos to the Mets. They're still on the board. They're 50-1 to 1 to win the National League East. Look at Philly's remaining schedule, Ariel. It is the easily, easiest remaining schedule in all of Major League Baseball. Two more in this series against Baltimore, which you would generally chalk up to wins, but maybe if it's like last night, maybe not so easy. And then a four-game set coming up against the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. So the path for Philadelphia should be a little bit easier, or at least generous and giving them an outside shot of making the National League postseason as it stands at the moment. But when you're getting shut out by the Baltimore Orioles, it's obviously cause for concern. Looking at the Braves schedule for the rest of the season, they get three road games at Arizona, three road games at San Diego. They face off with Philadelphia in Atlanta, and then they finish off with the Mets in Atlanta. They at least get the last two series at home. However, a series with San Diego, who's fighting for their wild card spot in the National League. Ben, this isn't an easy road for Atlanta. They've got to win at least two out of three against San Diego and try to hold on to hope in that Philadelphia series. That's going to be an epic series if this stays within a two to three game race. Now, you know that this next this. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, no. Go. I was going to say, I think that series against Philadelphia being at home in Atlanta for the Braves to have their two final series against their own division. That's going to be awesome. The Padres aren't quite the Padres we expected them to be right now, though. They've lost eight of their last 10 games. So on paper, a huge series, but maybe not exactly what we expected San Diego would look like, especially here in the home stretch of the season. 
San Diego four games back of that wild card race. Cincinnati three games back. St. Louis has that second spot right now. Then, of course, it's all about the National League West division. Who's going to be stuck in the wild card winner take all game? Is it going to be the Dodgers who are currently there or the San Francisco Giants? And right now, the odds have the Giants slightly favored, minus 115. Ben, Dodgers still in minus, still minus 105. They won't flip them to the plus. It's only, what, a one-game difference still in that uh, in that race for the National League West? Yeah, one game lead for the Giants right now. Yesterday, actually, the Giants' odds becoming a little bit shorter. They were minus 125, now down to minus 115. The Dodgers were in plus money at plus 105, now minus 105. Maybe John Sheeran, who loves this market more than anybody, with a quick update as both teams get back underway today. He absolutely loves when we talk about this market every single week. John, why are the Dodgers still not favored? Why are the Dodgers still favored? It's just back and forth between the National League West uh, playoff picture. Switching over to the American League, this is my favorite. My favorite stat, also my favorite bet all year, the New York Yankees try bet two for either team to win by two runs or less. This tweet by Seth Rothman talking about the Yankees. 85 games decided by two runs or fewer, second in Major League Baseball behind the New York Mets, who have 87 games decided by two runs or fewer. That's ranked 53rd, or excuse me, the 53rd win by two runs or fewer is the most in Major League Baseball by the Yankees. They are now 53 and 32 in games decided by two runs or fewer, which is the best in Major League Baseball. The Yankees get the 4-3 win over the, the Texas Rangers. Yankees were minus 275 on the money line. Ben, been saying it all year. Instead of laying that minus 275, which odds are you're not willing to do on a money line bet, you go to try bet too. And you either pick either team to win, which is usually around minus 105 to minus 120. Or you could, even if you feel like getting some plus money, you could get the Yankees to win the game by two runs or less. I forget what those numbers usually are because I'd rather just lay a minus 105 to minus 120, not have to worry about if the Yankees win the game outright or not. I just have to worry that they keep it close. And you would have been profitable 85 times this Major League Baseball season and maybe still more to go for the New York Yankees had you bet, try bet two on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 85 times is more than half of this Major League Baseball season. That is how many close calls New York has had, but at least getting the benefit of a victory yesterday. Now a half game back of that second and final AL wildcard spot. An American League wildcard race made up of three teams from the AL East for two spots in the American League postseason picture. Now, the Boston Red Sox have a one-and-a-half game league for that top spot. They are have won five games, have the Red Sox. Toronto is there right behind them in that second and final AL wildcard spot. The Yankees now a half game back of them both. Again, yesterday was a glorious day on the FanDuel Sportsbook, as many of them are, when they had the make-miss playoff odds up for not just the National League, but the American League as well. And here's how it looked yesterday. Boston was the favorite to make the playoffs at minus 650, the longest odds to do so. Toronto was also in minus money at minus 310. The Yankees were at plus 182. So a staunch favorite in the idea of the Boston Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays making the postseason as it stands at the moment. The remaining schedule, Boston has the Mets and then host the Yankees at home. Then they finish at Baltimore, who has the worst home record in all of Major League Baseball, and the Washington Nationals, who find themselves towards the bottom of that National League East division. Toronto has two more games against Tampa Bay this week. Then a four-game set against the Twins, who are not very good, already eliminated from postseason play, and then the Yankees, and then finish up with the Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees, by far, have the toughest schedule out of these three teams from the AL 
East, trying to find those final two spots in the American League postseason picture through the wild card. Two more against Texas, then at Boston, Toronto, and then Tampa Bay to end off the year. So, yeah, the schedule not exactly favorable for the Yankees at the moment, who find themselves, Ariel, a half game back of that second and final AL wild card spot. Boston in first, Toronto in second for those two spots to make up the American League postseason picture. Here's what I'm really interested in. How much do the Tampa Bay Rays want the Yankees to stay out of the playoffs? If the Yankees are still within a game or two of the wild card race, whether they're in it or outside of it, that last series probably means nothing to Tampa Bay. That last series, they know they already clinched their playoff spot. They know they already clinched the division. They're seven games up. That last series is all going to be about how much Tampa really cares to keep the Yankees out. If Tampa decides to rest all their starters, they don't care. If Tampa decides to play everyone, they are scared of New York. So that's going to be something to look out for is how much the Rays really want to keep New York out of the playoff race. Coming up next, we're going to continue the conversation on college football with Connor O'Gara from Saturdays Down South. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, it's Saturdays Down South, Connor O'Gara. Connor, this weekend in college football, especially in the SEC, which you cover a ton, it was crazy. And there was one really, really crazy game, and that was Alabama and Florida. Alabama still gets the win. However, it was 31-29. Alabama looked like, there was a shot they could have lost that game at Florida. How much does Alabama look as if they can lose a game this year? I'll tell you what. I thought that game was going to be over after the first quarter. I thought Bama was going to roll. I predicted 42-14. to 14. I was dead wrong on that. What Dan Mullen did was stick to his guns after that first quarter. Usually when you fall behind 21-3, to 3, you think, we need to throw the football. No, not Florida. They're running the football. They don't trust Emory Jones to take shots downfield, and I don't really blame them. And the rushing attack is really good. And even without Anthony Richardson, who was only the emergency quarterback slash backflipper in this game, I think that you still look at what Florida did and say, well, hey, can you replicate that? I was talking to Matt Hayes over the weekend, who does great work for us at Saturday Down South, and he's saying, you know, why can't Arkansas beat Alabama with that blueprint? which is very similar to what Florida does from an offensive standpoint with Kendall Bryles. So there are a lot of teams in the SEC right now who will look at that, and maybe Auburn's another one, who think, hey, we have a great ground game. We can beat Alabama. To get outrushed like that, Alabama hadn't been outrushed like that since 2007 when Darren McFadden, Peyton Hillis, and Felix Jones were with that Arkansas team, and Alabama was a shell of what it is today. So I, I don't know. I think there are a lot of people scratching their heads going, maybe this thing isn't quite as lopsided as we once thought. 
Florida ran for 245 yards against Alabama in the swamp on Saturday. Florida, the second best rushing offense in the entire country at more than 340 yards per game. A dynamic offense of sorts takes place in Oxford, Mississippi. And at the helm of that offense is the quarterback, Matt Corral, who has now become a very short Heisman favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Plus 150 are the odds on the Ole Miss signal caller, Matt Corral, right now. Connor, you told us before the year, you can't book it with favorites when it comes to picking a Heisman Trophy winner when all is said and done. Now Matt Corral, that short at plus 150. Obviously, the value is not there, but what has impressed you most about Ole Miss, Matt Corral, and this running Rebels team so far? Look, I know he hasn't had the Alabama matchup yet, and that's going to kind of be the wait-and-see moment for some. But in my opinion, Matt Corral is the best quarterback in college football right now. I think when you watch him play in the things that he does and understanding that offense that Lane Kiffey and Jeff Levy have kind of marinated together, it is incredible to watch the comfortability that he has, not only running the football and picking up those extra yards with his legs, which, oh, by the way, four touchdowns casually with his legs alone on Saturday against the Tulane team that gave Spencer Rather all sorts of problems. But the guy stretches the field and went to Ontario Drummond playing at this high of a level. I don't know how you defend that Ole Miss offense. I really don't. And they just have so many different elements. And everybody was talking about the interceptions coming into the year with Matt Corral. Oh, he has these grenade games, five interception games. Guy was a 71% passer. What were we looking at here? The guy is so incredibly accurate still, and I think that he has so many big games ahead of him this year. Those odds at 150, they're not really good, and I wouldn't really jump all over that. Hopefully you jumped all over it in the preseason and you're feeling pretty good about it now. But Matt Crow is playing extraordinary football. There is no defense that he cannot light up. I know Arkansas fans are going to push back. Maybe LSU fans will push back. Wait until you see the improvements that he has made against drop eight coverages. That is the difference for Matt Corral, and that's why he's playing better than anyone in college football position right now. Connor, let's take a look at a look ahead. Let's just jump ahead to two weeks from now where we're going to get Ole Miss and Alabama. Although Alabama has another game, and although Ole Miss is on a bye, guess the line. What's it going to be with Alabama and Ole Miss? It's a great question. I would think... Let's let's settle at eight and a half and see what oh, that does. Oh, generous. Because, you know, I think if you put it at 10, too many people jump all over that for Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss is a fun team to bet on. I mean, like what they just did Tulane. They were up they, they were up 61 to 21 in the middle of the third quarter, and they're still out there throwing bombs. Like they're trying to get to 80. I mean, it is so fun to watch this offense, and there are going to be so many people that just want to bet the over in that game or something like that, and they want to – they want to bet against Alabama, which kind of sounds crazy, but you see the things that they're able to do. I would have a tough time saying that that line is going to be at like 11 or 12, just because the improvements that Ole Miss has made on defense as well. Let's not forget, Ole Miss defense has been pretty good so far. Chance Campbell has been a difference maker in the middle of that defense, the Maryland transfer. They have a lot of guys that, that came back from that team last year that are more comfortable in DJ Durkin's defense, and that is making a difference as well. So. I think that that line is going to be more like eight and a half, though. Who knows with Alabama? They could come out and win that game by 21, and nobody would be particularly surprised. So, Connor, one more quick question to ask you to play odds maker, and then I'll ask you about an actual game being played this week, also within the SEC West. You talk about the offense potentially in two weeks in Tuscaloosa between the Crimson Tide and the Revs. What do you think the total is for that game between Ole Miss and Alabama? Oh. Man, the over-under's got to be... It's it's what like seventy four or something. Yeah. Right. Is that yeah, it? Yeah. 
Okay. I think because what? Ole Miss, Ole Miss Louisville was 74 and a half the first week of the year. Alabama can certainly score. And if you're going to beat the Crimson Tide, you need to outscore them. So it's in the low 70s at the very least, I think, right? I would think so. And, and that, that'd be a fun game about the Oberon. It just would. And I know these defenses are probably, knowing the way that this always works, these defenses are going to be really frustrated here about how many points they're going to allow all week. And then you're going to see Will Anderson and Christian Harris and these guys for Alabama come out there and get into the backfield and do things to get Ole Miss behind the sticks. But yeah, I would tend to think it's going to be somewhere around there. And, you know, if that game gets into the 80s or even the 90s, that, that, that would be uh, pretty, pretty unsurprising, in my opinion, given the way that Ole Miss has lit up the scoreboard so far. It the gives me a lot of, of the Auburn. LSU. Well, I was going to say, it gives me a lot of vibes from Auburn, Alabama two years ago, where that final score was 48 45, guys. You know, in that game, you know, people forget without Tua as well in that game. And Mac Jones uh, aided Auburn a little bit with a couple of pick sixes, but just kind of felt like the last team that was going to have the ball was going to win. And then Gus does that little tricky thing to get a 12 men on the field penalty. But yeah, it could have very similar vibes to that game. The days of LSU and Alabama. In a 9-6 game down there in the South? Yeah, those days seem like they are far from over. So, Connor, we have a great matchup this week in the SEC West. A top 20 matchup between 16th-ranked Arkansas hosting 7th-ranked Texas A&M. Right now, the Aggies on the road, a 5.5-point favorite. How do you break down this matchup on Saturday? Okay, so we might have spoken too soon because you see the over-under there, 47.5, and, and I would <laughs> not expect either of these teams to be particularly good on the offensive side of the ball and the passing game more specifically. They're, they're going to be able to run the football, I think. But what both of these defensive coordinators bring to the table is, is impressive. Mike Elko has been phenomenal for Texas a and That defensive line is nasty. I say it all the time. DeMarvin Leal, future top five pick. Jaden Peavy up front. They got Clemens as well. And this Arkansas defense who took it to Texas in that week two game, and they did it in the trenches. This is an Arkansas defense that is loaded with experience. And Grant Morgan, Jalen Catalan, those guys are going to really put a lot of pressure, I think, on Zach Calzada, who has not looked particularly good since taking over for Haynes King. I would not expect a lot of points in this one, but coming into the year, I said that Arkansas was going to win this football game. And that was with Haynes King as a and starting quarterback. I think Barry Odom does enough things to confuse the Aggies' offense, which hasn't really looked that good yet up front coming off of a year in which they lost four of their five starters on the offensive line. I think Arkansas wins this game outright. I think the Sam Pittman hype train continues. Arkansas beats A&M for the first time in a decade. Connor O'Gara from Saturdays Down South joining us here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Connor, another game between two teams that aren't ranked. However, they're both 2-1. and one. It's LSU and Mississippi State. LSU is laying 2.5 points on the road at Mississippi State with a total of 55.5. How do you see this game playing out? Let's stick with the upset theme. And Mississippi State has been a very seesaw team this year. And there are a lot of things that I've gotten wrong in the preseason, but I've predicted their games accurately. Ironically enough, week in, week out, I had the Memphis loss, I had the NC State win, and neither of those really made a lot of sense. But I think that Mississippi State wins this football game, and not just because of what happened last year. I think Durante Jones stands a much better chance of leading that LSU defense than Bo Pelini ever did. But I think that Mississippi State, what it can do offensively, 
is do a lot of things to confuse this secondary. And a secondary that's really good at the cornerback spots, but not very very good on the back end. And their linebackers have had issues for LSU. LSU can't run the football. I worry about what Max Johnson is going to have to do against Zach Arnett's defense. Zach Arnett's defense has really put quarterbacks under a lot of pressure this year, and I think he's going to frustrate him. I think this ends up being a game in which LSU has to play from behind a little bit too much, and Mississippi State has a surprising win Again, against LSU, and that was kind of the, the oh, is, is Coach O on the hot seat a few years ago when Mississippi State beat LSU? And with LSU suffering its second loss in this one, I think there will be similar questions moving forward. A second loss in just four games for Coach O and those Tigers down there in Baton Rouge. So we focused a lot on the SEC West. Now let's flip to the other division in the SEC East. Georgia right now looks like an absolute wagon, ranked number set, ranked number two in the country. They have Vandy this weekend. They are 33.5-point favorites. Next weekend, a top-20 matchup potentially against Arkansas. Do you think Georgia can run the table through the SEC East as it stands at the moment? Yeah, I do. And I know there are a lot of people that are looking now at the world's largest outdoor outdoor cocktail party and they're wondering, can Florida stick with this Georgia team? I I don't think so. And I think that Georgia, what it has done so well defensively, stopped the run. You can't run the football against Georgia. I mean, Clemson had two more rushing yards than I did against Georgia. All right. That's Clemson. I don't think that this this Georgia defense is is in any position to have one of those key injuries where all of a sudden they fall apart either. That's the other thing. They just have so many dudes in that front seven that they rotate in and out. It doesn't really matter. And the things that Jordan Davis has done in the first part of the season has only confirmed what everybody thought in the preseason. Man, is just a physical freak. He loves his Swedish fish, and he loves getting in the backfield. That is what he does. And I think that Jordan Davis in that defense is in position to every single game hold the team to single digits. And maybe that even includes Florida. Who knows how Florida is going to be able to improve offensively once Anthony Richardson comes back. But I still think that Georgia is in great position to run the table. If you're asking me to predict who would win in a game between Georgia and Alabama tomorrow, I'd still take Georgia, though. If Kirby continues to mess around with this quarterback situation and bring in Stetson Bennett unnecessarily, then who knows? But for now, I'm going to stick with Georgia to run the table. I'm sticking it with that conversation right now because Georgia, Alabama have crazy odds. We have just over a minute left. And, Connor, even though for the national championship odds, Georgia and Alabama are even to win it at 2-1, to you look at the SEC championship and it's Alabama minus 175, Georgia 2-1. to How much value do you see on Georgia winning the SEC if they have the same, the same exact odds to win the national championship as Alabama? So I, I said that you know the, the odds for Georgia to win a national championship aren't particularly good, and, and I agree with that. I think to win the SEC, though, I think I would be okay with taking two to one odds on them, and that that's a team that I have winning the SEC coming into this season, and I think that they still have room for improvement, which is kind of crazy from an offensive standpoint. They're going to get more healthy at the pass catching positions. They have a true freshman tight end, Brock Bowers, as their leading receiver right now, and they're going to be able to get guys back. Hopefully they get George Pickens back, Darnell Washington coming back soon, maybe the tight, the other tight end, and I think that they're going to continue to get better. So I would take Georgia at those two-to-one odds, even though those odds really aren't going to get a whole lot better. We have to get to break, but guys, if you want to catch more of Connor O'Gara, follow him on Twitter, CJ O'Gara, and on Saturdays down south. Thanks so much, Connor. See you next week. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Out hour one on the morning after on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. Week three NFL lines were out a few days ago, just prior to the NFL week two starting up. And these pre to post week two lines are pretty interesting. We're going to take a look at all of them coming up at the top of hour two. Yet these were the four biggest line moves. First, you've got Carolina minus four, which moved to minus seven and a half against Houston Thursday night. Cleveland minus nine and a half moves against them to seven and a half against Chicago. Las Vegas minus one and a half moves to minus three and a half against Miami. And Denver minus eight and a half moves to minus ten and a half against the New York Jets. Ben, the public has spoken, and it was pretty close. Just about 32% of the public says the biggest overreaction is Carolina moving from minus four through that key number of seven to seven and a half against Houston. Are you fading the public? I don't necessarily agree with the public there. I think that's the right reaction in a way, not quite an overreaction because the Panthers have looked really good so far this year. Surprising 2-0, but 2-0 nonetheless. And you can talk about Carolina's competition, I guess, but they made New Orleans look really, really bad on Sunday thanks to that defense in Carolina. I think an overreaction or a slight overreaction that I think you can find value now on is the Cleveland Browns moving from nine and a half in their favor to seven and a half. And that line might shoot back up closer to nine and a half or double digits if and when Justin Fields, the rookie quarterback, who I have a ton of belief in, might be named the starter for Sunday. So maybe the value is on the Cleveland Browns at the moment. I have to agree with you. I would say the Cleveland Browns currently have the value minus seven and a half after it was nine and a half. Then you may even get a rookie quarterback up against a really tough Cleveland defense. Remember, Cleveland had a lead on Kansas City up until uh, halftime. So you've got to make sure that you take into consideration that there's a potential for a rookie quarterback starting for the first time. Coming up next is hour two of the show. We'll go through some more of these line movements. Stay on the grid.